Rice competed for millennia with the wheat of West Asia and corn of the Americas for its place on humanity's dinner table. but people are partial to this nourishing cereal crop, whose path into the human sphere has been so diverse and which is now the staple food of half of the world's population. We are about to see how rice in all its forms and flavors, reflects the cultures and destinies of the peoples throughout Eurasia whom it sustains. It's the end of April, Italy's rice sowing season. Gabrielle Ferrin is happily at work in the paddy field. common farm laborer, Farron owns a family farm with a 400-year history. Ecco, questa pila, come dicevo prima, ha origini veramente molto lontane, 1650. A quel tempo si dice Leonardo da Vinci abbia ideato. This rice mill means everything to Ferran's family. He would sacrifice everything rather than leave it. E mio padre, prima di morire, diceva a me e a mio fratello, ragazzi, quando io morirò, non portatemi via dalla mia pila. Io non voglio essere seppellito nei cimiteri. Lasciatemi qua. The ashes of Ferran's father are buried by this ancient building that has generated the family's living for centuries. The rice it produces, famous near and far, is Ferran's greatest pride. Non c'erano questi. Questi macchinari sono stati installati all'inizio del Novecento, del 1900. Una volta c'erano 40, 40 di queste buche con i pestelli, tutto attorno all'interno. 
ed era considerata una delle più grandi pile. Italy is Europe's largest rice producer, generating 1.4 million tons a year and one or more billion euros in annual sales. Northern Italy's Po Plain, the site of the Padana Valley, with its humid climate, vast flat terrain, and abundant water resources, is perfect for rice cultivation. Wheat bread generally graces the dining tables of today's Europe, but not necessarily in northern Italy. In Isola della Scala, for instance, breadsticks and pasta are often made from rice flour. And Farron's restaurant uses rice to make tiramisu cakes. Why should this be in wheat-abundant Europe? One of the dishes Farron's restaurant serves gives us a clue. Risotto is a characteristic northern Italian dish. Curry duck risotto, one of Gabriel Farron's specialties, combines an interesting mix of ingredients. Ma certo che sì, certamente gli arabi portando la coltivazione del riso hanno portato anche eh, la cultura del come cucinare il riso. Però noi italiani non ci siamo soffermati. The Italians indeed experimented boldly with rice recipes and came up with this dish made with curry from South Asia and rice from Arabia. Saffron rice is another dish with historical connotations. Asia Minor was originally the main source of saffron, a spice that the Arabs cultivated in Spain around 961. At one time, worth literally more than its weight in gold, saffron remains one of the world's most valuable spices. Chiaramente, eh, anche i veneziani, eh, Marco Polo, che è andato in Oriente e ha portato eh, tutte queste meravigliose spezie che noi italiani non, che noi non conoscevamo. Non conoscevamo, ad esempio, la curcuma, lo, eh, lo zafferano stesso, ma il curry, che è un miscuglio di tante spezie. E quando sono arrivati qua in Italia, 
A single risotto dish, with its rice from Arab countries and spices from South Asia, presents a masterful fusion of culinary civilizations. Other exotic goods apart from rice, notably Chinese silk, came to inland Europe through the Apennine Peninsula, where in Italy, birthplace of the Roman Empire, unreservedly embraced Eastern culture. E a noi figli piangeva il cuore, no? Perché c'era questo attaccamento alla pila, generazioni, come ti dicevo prima. E anche mia madre diceva quando io morirò voglio stare qua vicino a mio marito e allora anche lei quando purtroppo è morta l'abbiamo fatta cremare l'urna sempre così piccola e l'abbiamo messa lì e io quando vengo qua la prima cosa è parlare con i miei genitori dire ringraziarli Few would have imagined that 400 years ago, when rice first arrived at this Italian farm's rice mill, the people here would welcome and cherish it with such passion. Ecco che allora io lo saluto, saluto mio papà, mia mamma, dico oh ciao, buongiorno, con allegria. Non sono triste, perché loro ci sono ancora, e loro sono felice. Li saluto e mi sembra che loro mi ascoltino e mi consiglino anche quando devo scegliere qualcosa di importante e penso che loro mi diano l'indicazione giusta per scegliere le mie cose buone. So how did the rice originating in China come to travel across the Eurasia to be cultivated in Italy? The ancient Silk Road traversed the Altai Mountains in arid, frigid northwestern China, where winter temperatures hit minus 35 degrees Celsius, and whose nomadic people have lived for millennia as hunter-gatherers. Captured and trained four years ago, White Wing, this five-year-old golden eagle is an integral part of the family and Mukta's trusty hunting partner. Muktar hopes to trade prey for the rice he will serve later to dinner guests at his home. At early morning, Mukhtar's wife prepares dry provisions of broom corn millet. Called yellow rice on China's central plains, it has been one of northern China's most important food crops since around 6000 BC. Its cultivation on the northern prairie ensued from more frequent communications between east and west, 
and its adaptability to high arid areas. Broomcorn millet is the main ingredient of calorie-rich zint, the staple food of Kazakh nomads that provides the nutrition and energy they need to hunt. Today, Mukhtar takes both white wing and food out hunting. A two meter thick ice layer covers the Irtish River, on whose banks stand hills, bush and forests wild animals inhabit. In winter, this is the hunting ground nearest to Mukhtar's home. White wing looks to be in fine fettle. Satisfied with today's haul, Mukhtar tells his son to barter it for rice, which his wife will use to cook pilaf for the guests expected. The settled life of rice agriculture was ill-suited to the nomadic people here. But the crop's slow growth and small yield, as well as local nobles' liking for it, had long given rice the ethos of a rare delicacy in northwestern China. Rice thus started its tough journey in western China. The records of the grand historian states, Da Yuan lies southwest of the territory of the Xiongnu, some 5,000 kilometers directly west of Han Dynasty. The people are settled on the land, plowing the fields and growing rice and wheat. This is the earliest record of rice growing in the western regions, showing that between the first and second century BC, people there had combined nomadism with farming. It was around this time that trade with northern India brought rice to Persia. By the 7th century, rice cultivation had expanded from today's Xinjiang and northern India to Bactria and the Tigris and Euphrates river basins. As local Arabs relished this crop, rice cultivation spread to many other places in West Asia suitable for rice cultivation.
a pot of pilaf crowns a successful hunt. A rare delicacy among northwestern China's nomadic ethnic groups, the mystique and appeal of rice perhaps lies in its aura of unattainability. Arab Empire's expansion in the mid-7th century spread rice cultivation to North Africa and South Europe along the Mediterranean coast and further to Western and Eastern Europe. Rice cultivation gained unprecedented prominence in Eurasia in the period encompassing the Renaissance. Rice came to Bulgaria, along with the Turks, in the 15th century, and was successfully cultivated in Philippopolis and Pazardchik. The 16th century saw extensive rice cultivation in low-lying areas of Lombardy, Italy, and also in coastal France, including Nice in the Provence region. In the 16th century, Bulgaria's rice output was around 3,000 tons. This achievement of 400 years ago, when rice spans so many largely unknown geographic and climactic barriers, seems incredible but the phenomenon is now a modern one. Wang Baocheng comes to this ice-bound paddy field every day. Walking in this vast expanse of frigid whiteness chills him to the bone. This is Sivakovka, a small town in Russia's Far East. Though insignificant in proportion to Russia's vast territory, it has made its mark on Russia's rice cultivation map. Deathly quiet, sparsely populated, and bitterly cold most of the year, the endless stretch of ice-bound land on either side of the highway has nevertheless been pioneered as part of the continuing and arduous mission to expand Rice's territory. The brothers Wang Bao Cheng and Wang Bao Li came to Russia in 2009. 
They rented over a thousand hectares of land here for rice cultivation and hired dozens of local villagers whose delight in gaining a livelihood was expressed in a warm welcome. Although strangers amid harsh natural conditions, the Chinese brothers' subsequent eight years of painstaking efforts transformed Sivakovka's vast stretch of wasteland into a broad expanse of fertile paddy fields. But they now face a serious challenge. Russia's total foreign trade volume has sharply declined since 2015. So there are few new customers, their regular ones are diminishing, and local rice consumption is limited. Lower sales have left a backlog of rice in the warehouse, and no room to store the unhusked rice from last fall's harvest. To cut their losses, the Wang brothers decide to try their luck selling the excess rice in Yusurisk, the largest city nearby. Like most European countries, Russia is a wheat stronghold. But their frigid climate has reinforced the fortitude of Russians, who, compared with their more adventurous Italian and Spanish Western neighbors, are unwavering in their food preferences. No one could change the Russian love for bread. The Wang brothers have had no luck marketing their rice in Yusurisk. Rice cultivation requires the basic conditions of suitable climate and terrain. That's why they were able to make arable fields from wasteland. But the rice trade involves multiple factors, not least culture and customs. Rice from the east may thrive on Russia's black earth, but more market research is needed to reap the rewards.
Despite current difficulties, the brothers decide to stick with their rice business. Russia is now Europe's third largest rice producer and has exceptional natural resource advantages. As cycles are the norm in human life and commerce, they believe that sooner or later, Russia will regain its strong rice market. Climatic and cultural differences created myriad possibilities for the spread of rice. Although amid its 10,000-year-long localization process, rice met with many difficulties, the crop carved its own decisive path in China's equally frigid northeast. Five thousand years ago, humans brought rice cultivated in China to the Korean Peninsula. Its warm, wet climate nourished and vitalized the crop, empowering the local ancients to stop living by hunting and fishing and become a rice-growing nation. Their influence spread throughout Northeast Asia. Jin is an important rice producer in northeastern China, where golden rice paddies connect with a wetland area known as Red Beach. The saline alkali soil of this scenic landscape inhibits plant growth. But thanks to 100 years of scientific land and rice seed improvements, it now produces globally famous rice. Since first cultivated millennia ago, rice's capacity to grow throughout the world has been dependent on human wisdom. Its successful plantation on coastal lands is only a small step in rice technology progress. Aware that the slightest quirk of nature could be catastrophic for rice cultivation, agronomists constantly research and experiment with new rice varieties. Human society's steady progress over 10 or more thousand years is due largely to constant rice breeding experimentation. Cultivation space is limited but maintaining production of this staple food of 60% of the world's population is crucial. So Chinese scientists constantly explore ways of improving the rice output. In the 1930s, Ding Ying, pioneer of rice breeding, was the first to transfer the wild rice germplasm to cultivated rice that equipped it to withstand harsh conditions. The 60 fine varieties he bred vastly improved rice output and quality, and his theory improved variety breeding and rejuvenation. 
Huang Yao Sheng, acknowledged short stock rice breeding pioneer, cultivated new semi-dwarf and lodging resistant rice varieties with plentiful ears in the 1950s. Their breeding, popularization, and application were 10 years ahead of the Green Revolution elsewhere and led to New China's Green Revolution and per unit leap in rice yield. Then in the 1960s, the father of hybrid rice, Yuanlong Ping, initiated successful research on China's rice heterosis utilization that led to its popularization. He also proposed the hybrid rice breeding development strategy and the technical route to super hybrid rice breeding that became the global guiding principle, making huge contributions to world food safety. We may take high yield rice for granted, but it is actually due to the efforts of generations of agronomists. People are also unaware that Ding Ying, Huang Yaosheng, and Yuan Longping's success is due to vital germplasm resources. Wild rice may have small particles and a low output, but its vitality is exceptional. Agronomists strive to extract and transfer the new energy from wild rice to cultivated rice to make it resilient to nature's future mishaps. This is an ordinary Dai village in Yunnan province. The villagers head for a small patch of ground reserved for wild rice. Resembling weeds, the wild rice helped their ancestors survive for 10,000 or more years but it has now more or less disappeared from sight. Few comprehend the true value of wild rice. Guo Xun Yun who works at Jing Hong Agricultural Environment Protection and Monitoring Station, has spent 10 or more years searching for traces of wild rice. Guo Xunyun's experience tells him that there's wild rice growing in this rare virgin forest. Mm -hmm. 
A harsh environment often fosters tenacious plant life, and wild rice growing here has survived both natural perils and natural selection. Its rich genetic diversity makes it resistant to pests and diseases and cold and drought. Strong biological traits absent in artificially cultivated rice seeds. In other words, in the event of a natural disaster, the poor environmental adaptability of cultivated rice may cause it to fail. But wild rice, inured to a harsh environment, would likely survive. Wild rice's value lies in its indomitable vitality. Guo Xunyun has discovered some wild rice growing on an obscured hill. This rice variety usually grows in woods. Although no close relative to modern cultivated rice, many of its genes constitute an important resource for future rice genetic breeding. 野生稻带有很多重要的基因由于在驯化的过程中这些基因已经丢失了保存和利用这些野生稻的资源就是将来有一天当我们对它的这个全部基因组它的多样性有了足够充分的了解以后这些基因还能为我们未来的这个遗传
Research fellows painstakingly peel and section the rice germs, examining its vitality through a microscope. After various tests, the samples are sent to the gene bank for long-term preservation. Future scientists can utilize wild rice samples to optimize future seeds and so satisfy people's needs for output and flavor, and even to breed new varieties that can adapt to extreme climatic conditions. Besides wild rice, there are even more cultivated rice seed samples. Preserved under such stringent condition, common crop seeds can live 50 or more years. Obtaining rice varieties with big grains entails systematic picking and repeated sowing of wild rice with plump grains. To ensure output, the rice maturation cycle is adjusted to a fixed harvest time and to make it comply with human needs, the rice's ability to survive in the wild must be somehow reduced. Humans are growingly dependent on the crops they have controlled and vice versa. Owing to an abundance of food, human selection of rice has become targeted, which is somewhat worrying. Shen Maintaining the genetic diversity of crops protects human survival. All rice resources preserved here are imbued with abundant quality genes that constitute a treasure trove for future generations to explore. Scientists are working on how to maximize and recycle the value of rice. China's Northeast produces around 30 million tons of rice each year. How the crop's value may be fully optimized has long been a goal of human exploration. But now, a bold assumption has paid off. China is experiencing rapid growth, but industrialization and urbanization have placed untenable burdens on the environment. Recycling is a way of resolving this problem.
，这是一个很严峻的问题，这也是我们认为是是一个，呃，面临最具挑战的一个问题。Traditional rice processing is aimed at separating the rice kernels' edible endosperm from the rice bran and husk byproducts, normally discarded as dross. But engineer Li Chao sees the full value of rice in all its parts. Here is the most advanced water-based processing system in the world. Here, the water will go through a series of steps. To Li Chao, this system is an enabler of rice's full value. It's here, at this mill, that rice is screened, hulled, polished, and transformed into the delicious staple dish on our dining table. But that's only the start. In this section, rice bran is processed into highly nutritional cooking oil, becoming another product. The rice husks, meanwhile, are sent here. Incinerating discarded rice husks generates sufficient power to be an eco-friendly energy substitute in major rice-producing countries. It will save, experts estimate, 25 million tons of coal each year and substantially reduce harmful carbon dioxide and sulfur dioxide emissions. But the utility of rice processing byproducts does not end with transforming rice bran into cooking oil and generating power with rice husks. This stuff, extracted from incinerated rice husks, is silica. Whoever would have guessed the multiple uses of such an unprepossessing powder? Silica is an essential raw material for tire production, otherwise obtained from high-energy consuming and pollutant coal slag. Silica reduces tire rolling resistance by 10 to 20 percent, which amounts to a 2 percent saving in car fuel consumption. The, this is an environmental-friendly material. It is a renewable material. Plus, it also helps in this in properly taking care of the rice mills waste which is rice husk or the rice husk ash so those are big advantages of using silica from the rice husk ash
With an annual output of 200 million tons, China is the largest rice producer, accounting for 30% of the total global output. And apart from solving environmental problems through recycling technologies, China is proactively exploring green agriculture. Low pesticide and fertilizer use, drought resistant, water conserving, and quality high yield. Such are the green super rice goals denoting another rice planting revolution in China and the world. The entire rice production chain's sustainable development is becoming reality. Rice is, without doubt, one of humanity's most favored crops. 10,000 years ago, this wild plant originated in the Yangtze River's warm, humid middle and lower reaches. After tens of thousands of evolutions, it became the crop we know today, seen growing on every piece of arable land on Earth. The reason, 10,000 years ago, for our ancestors' interest in wild rice might have been the need to preserve seeds in case of future food shortages. Who could know that such a fundamental motive would set the Chinese people on their path to rice agriculture and the many historical tales it has created? Rice and its stories have accompanied humanity's long process of civilization. It may be hard to credit the important position rice has occupied in our world. But none could deny that it is the source of nourishment and energy for 60% of the global population. And it supports us 
happy or sad through each day of our existence. Common, yet mighty, this is the food we know as rice.